fill your super soaker with holy water, hang a garlic wreath on your door, and make sure you can see your own reflection in the mirror. Because it's time to talk tall to me. I'm Omen Said. And I'm Nick McGill. And we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Told to Me, your weekly journey through the time warp that is the discography of Jethro Tull. One week per track, per album. That's right. Through the fangs of our podcast, you will be <laughs> entered into. In, you will be infected into an. Wait a minute. You'll be filled with a desire to suck the lifeblood out of every single song that prog rock band Jethro Tull ever recorded. One warm, sultry drop at a time. The vampire references will make sense eventually. Here at Talk Tall to Me, we cover you in the glitter of... (laughs) Shirtless, glittering corpse that is Ian Anderson. That's right. So, Nick. Yes, I just want to, before we go any further, just a, a an explanation for folks. There's, there's really, there's really no explaining you, Nick. I'm, uh, we've, we've tried. I can't explain myself. I'm explaining the, uh, the, the sound here. My sound booth is currently in many, many pieces in our garage because we are moving very soon. Yay! Hopefully very soon. Uh, So I'm sitting in my kitchen on a different microphone in a not sound booth. So the sound quality will be different. And I apologize for that. If there are cat sounds or baby sounds or traffic sounds. It's it's if you if you want this primo product, then you got to deal with a little change for uh, for the next month or so. Also, if you want extra cat sounds, you can subscribe to the paid version of this podcast where we record in a cat cafe. Yeah. Or we just cover every Jethro Tull song saying meow instead. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, Nick. Yes, Omen. What song are we talking about meow? I don't know why I didn't expect that. And I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about being genuinely tickled by what just happened. (laughs) This week, we are talking about an undead monster-filled extravaganza that is Sweet Dream. Let's have a listen. I think that if we don't talk about the music video off the bat, we're going to keep referring to it and we might, um, we might confuse people. So, so we're going to be talking about a couple of things on today's episode. First of all, we are going to be talking about the single Sweet Dream, which was released in 1969, and the context of that. We will also be talking about the 
music video. This is a first for the Talk Tall to Me podcast. We are going to be talking about the music video for Sweet Dream, which was released in 1981. Twelve years after the actual single came out, and he looks at least 60 years old in that music video. (laughs) Not accounting for the Dracula makeup. It's a hard life out on the road. Clearly it is. Small, bald, little Scottish man. So that's just to orient you to, to the experience that you're about to have while listening to this podcast. So Nick, first, first of all, should we talk about the song itself? Yeah, okay. So now, now that you know that the music video is the source of all the vampire references, let's talk about the song. Lurking in the shadows of our podcast. In the, in the darkness, that's right. About to pounce any moment. Um, let's talk about Possibly the song. Possibly lurking in our sweet dreams. <laughs> it could be. Yes. Nick, what is this musically? How would you classify this song? Where does this, in which chamber of your heart does this song live? What part of your brain does it stimulate? Left ventricle, right hippocampus. Oh my God. You need to see a doctor immediately. <laughs> it's a dangerous combination. It is a, it's a very heavy song. It's very, like, musically. Yeah. It comes at you a lot harder than what I'm accustomed to. Even even thinking about, I don't know, even thinking about, like, the, the heavy stuff that we hear from Martin Barr. Even mixed stuff from This Was. His heavy mm. stuff was never this... It's, there's, there's, a, there's a quality to the guitar that's like a... I don't know if it's filtered or, or what, but there's something with this guitar that makes it very it's a bit heavy. gritty. Yeah, 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 yeah. It reminds me of some of the stuff that they play later in Songs from the Wood, actually. Some of that that kind of dark, oh. grungy... You know, I'm thinking of a little bit like... If you think of the intro to Peabroke Cap and Hand, there's a little bit of that same kind of like... Just like really... Yeah. Raw, dark power chords those riffs that just kind of mesmerize you and, and draw you into a, into sort of a, a damp darkness of feeling. Yeah, I get that. But that feels, Pebroke feels polished, like a polished heavy. This feels like, like a raw almost. Totally. Well, I think that they were maybe experimenting with a little bit of this new sound because this is the first time I think mm. in their discography that we've really heard this particular facet of the beautiful unique diamond that is martin Barr. right martin lancelot Barr. thank you i i I almost forgot can save this princess from a burning pyre anytime he wants moving on uh the (laughs) is this another instance of what we did last week, mm. or was it two weeks ago? Which one was it on one of the bonus tracks that I think was living in the past? Where is this an instance where, even though this came out as a bonus track in, I'm sorry, as a as a single in '69, wasn't included in any 
albums officially for a long while. Do we know when this was actually recorded? Like, was was this an instance like where I I feel that I feel that living in the past is really really like a benefit feel, but it was recorded even before stand up was. Well, I mean, I guess it was sixty nine. So my understanding is that this this was recorded at the same time that they were recording stand-up during you know the same time that they were doing those sessions okay but it appears to be it appears that there was a shift at around this time because of course they were moving toward benefits but they also when this song was released as a single this was released with 17 um, on the b-side this was their first release on chrysalis records oh which then went on to be their record company for the the next, I mean, that's all I I've known all them as. all of their albums. Yeah, Chrysalis was actually started by Terry Ellis and another mm. fellow named Chris Wright. Ellis said some years later on that the whole reason that Chrysalis came into being, which by the way, Chrysalis is a combination of the names Chris and Ellis. Oh, classic portmanteau action. A classic portmanteau, much like the SNA Studios, where Charlie Chaplin recorded his first number of videos in Chicago before he decided that it was too damn cold. I'm sorry, too fucking cold. So Terry Ellis and Chris Wright founded Chrysalis partly because they had an interest in creating a recording, rather a, a record company, but also Terry Ellis said that part of the reason that they came together is because Jethro Tull whom he was producing, couldn't get a record deal at the time. Whoa. And they had had a bad experience with MGM where their single, when they released their single of Sunshine Day and Aeroplane, the single was incorrectly credited to Jethro Toe. There's where Jethro Toe came from. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't want to work with MGM anymore. It wasn't that MGM didn't want to work with them. I think they were struggling to find somebody who would release them in the way that they wanted to be released. Mm-hmm. And so the solution was their in-house guy created created a, a record company. If you can't if you can't find someone to do it, do it yourself. Exactly. You if know? you can't join them, don't join them. Be them. Be them. Be inside. But maybe them. maybe Maybe they, ultimately, maybe Tull needs to thank MGM that Sunshine Day and Aeroplane are not on their credits, technically, <laughs> because the songs are by Jethro Toe. Well, and they certainly do sound like it, don't they? Ugh. So, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is that this does seem like it's coming at kind of a, a transitional moment for them. And maybe that's why we're hearing a little bit of that different sound. Maybe the mix sure. is different. Maybe there is something... Maybe it was a, a heavier kind of wax into which the records were being retched. The records were being etched. So <laughs> there you sorry. go. That's a spoonerism. That's my other favorite language thing. Spoonerisms, portmanteaus. We can end this episode now. I love being spoonerized. <laughs> do you know that if, if you do the opposite where the, the small person is, is the big spoon, it's also called jetpack? <laughs> Why? Why is there a term for that? <laughs> because... 
Because generally, a, sil- a silverware drawer, you, you fit them together size-wise. Uh, this is flying in the face of that logic. This is the sort of thing you learn from someone who has such such luxuries as a silverware drawer. <laughs> I think you're saying a mate who cares <laughs> and will touch you. Well, there's that. So this song has the usual suspects, Ian Anderson, Glenn Cornick, Martin Lancelot, Barr, Clive Bunker, orchestration by D. Palmer. Our friend D is back. A little fun fact here, Ian Anderson is playing a 12-string guitar on this song. Very nice. I think you need to go into every instance where it says Martin Barr in Wikipedia and put Martin Lancelot Barr. Ooh, that would be good. Very time-consuming. This single went up to number seven in the UK charts. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not a bad achievement for this, this weird dark number. Right. And for reference, a callback to last week, Living in the Past got up to three. Okay. Yeah. So it was slightly less than half as popular as Living in the Past. But still exponentially better than most singles. Oh, huge. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Is this a song you enjoy listening to, Nick? I don't hate it. <laughs> End of sentence. Okay. okay. It's not one that I would be like, oh man, I need to listen to Sweet Dream. Really? Yeah. But it's one of those that when it comes on, my brain can check out. Like, I don't need to really pay attention to Sweet Dream. I don't get much out of it. Right. Now that I know of the music video, I I think that'll change. It feels kind of shallow. I don't feel like there's a terrible lot of depth to it, both musically or lyrically. Interesting. This musically, this is a song that really does it for me. This is a song that when this comes out on... I start jamming out, hmm. and it, it hits me in a very... It's a song where I don't really listen to the lyrics that much, mm-hmm. but the musical experience of it is very engaging Sure, I don't know that I have a specific emotional connection with it. And in fact, when we were looking you know, at this album, I was looking at the title Sweet Dream, and I couldn't, I couldn't bring a memory of that to mind. And then as soon as we started playing and I get hit with that first guitar riff, I'm just, it's a visceral being drawn back into the experience of listening to that song for the first time. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it, do you reckon that it's still kind of novel for you? Because you haven't heard this much. You, you never had the Living in the Past album, which is where I always heard it. Because it's always just been bonus tracks. No, I think that I had this song on... Um... The Very Best of Jethro Tull, which is one of the first Tull oh. albums that I, that I had. Okay, I, I take it all back then. This makes it onto a lot of those compilation albums. Hmm. Okay. Then this is a, a first. It took us 20 plus episodes, but we have hit a serious dichotomy and we may just have to not do this podcast anymore. <laughs> what? That I, I like this song and you don't? Yeah, yeah. Normally, normally there's a modicum of of agreement in, in the opinions, even if it's just a tiny little bit. True, true. But this one is, yeah, this one just, I don't know if it's just, it just doesn't feel as unique. Huh. And maybe because it sounds a lot like other harder rock songs of the era, it doesn't feel unique to me in that way. But because of that, it is unique for a tall song. It's so funny that you say that, because for me, this really sounds like this has that really tallish sound to it. Hmm. And I think it's 
it's got that combination of the electric guitar and then the kind of the almost percussive nature of that 12 string guitar where you can really hear all those strings flapping sure. around mm-hmm. and the drums i mean i i agree that it's it's a little bit more straightforward than a lot of their other songs i don't think there are any weird time signatures in this one it's in e minor i mean which you know i've always had a thing for e minor i that's a i love that key that was not facetious at all like you genuinely do genuinely love it it's a good key yeah. for me to sing in and i enjoy the sound of e minor so that helps that that you feel a bit of acoustic affinity for it for sure i do find acoustic affinity for for this song yes second portmanteau of the day yeah golden <laughs> now it's funny because the lyrics are not something that i particularly have ever what what just happened i've never i've never really i've never really listened to them (laughs) they've never affected me so much you know some of the songs i'm like oh my gosh what a beautiful image and this song i'm just like yeah he's rocking some he's he's rocking some syllables yeah and that's that's kind of to my point is it feels when there's so much more to get invested in with Tall. I mean, every now and then it's okay to have a song that's kind of a throwaway. But I don't think we can treat it like a throwaway because I think that every song is a different facet of the band's ability. Oh, and I've, I've treated it as a throwaway for the last 20 years. I know, and now is your <laughs> opportunity to change, Nick. To grow. To grow as a Tolkienologist. Let the darkness of this song into your heart. Well, again, like, now that I can't unsee a... Let's see. I think it was 81, so... A 30-year-old Ian Anderson in vampire makeup. Yeah. I can't unsee that. So, I mean, there is something special about this song for me now. Before we get to the music video, because I don't want that to influence our the next part of this discussion, what is your sense of what this song is about regarding the lyrics? To me, it feels like... You'll hear me calling in your sweet dream. Can't hear your daddy's warning cry. More daddy issues. You're going back to be all the things you want to be, while in sweet dreams you softly sigh. I initially thought that it was the inspiration for Freddy Krueger. No. You know what? I literally was... I I know that that's a joke, but there's something not totally off base about that. Yeah. I don't think that the the writers of Freddy Krueger were, like, listening to this song while stoned and got the idea for Freddy Krueger, but... No, there there is an actual origin story for Freddy Krueger. I don't remember. But this... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I initially thought it was that... This bird saw me and is now fantasizing about me and I'm a bad boy, so she can't have me kind of thing, but she can see me in her sweet dreams. But now I don't know. Now that I am actually, for the first time in my life, looking at these lyrics, maybe it's more abstract than that. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, Wes Craven was inspired by a very real story about seemingly young, healthy people who were mysteriously dying in their sleep. Thanks to Ian Anderson. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like this song is the fantasy 
of being someone else's fantasy. Mm. So kind of like my first, the first thought. A bit, but not so literal. Like, I think mm. it's not so much about, I think it's not direct. Like you said, I think it's not literally he saw someone who scorned him and now this is a song about it. I think this is like a much more primal desire to be uncontrollably desired by someone mm -hmm. in like a, in a subconscious way. So it's, it's more, it's, it's, oh, I'm a, I'm a bad boy. It's a bad boy fantasy. It's a fantasy about being a bad boy. I think it's more of like a succubus fantasy. <laughs> like, well, it would be an incubus. As oh, thank you. An incubus yeah. fantasy. Like, I'm so dark and hot and powerful. I mean, this is, this is what I should be talking about with my therapist, but this is the sort of thing that I have had fantasies about myself. You know, like, oh, mm. yeah, like, oh, she likes me so much that she can't even not think about me when she's asleep. Because um, I'm great. You know what I mean? I think I see what you're going for, and I see a certain level of there's a difference between the way you do it and the way Ian Anderson does it. I do it with more mustache twirling. He does it with more terrible, terrible vampire teeth. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> I think it's it's like you say though. It's it's abstract. Can we just be clear? You you can't grow a mustache to save your life. I haven't tried recently, but uh, yeah, no, it's not it's not a good situation when I do. It's it's not good. Oh, one one other thing is that you know. Today, I realized that I have understood the lyrics wrong my entire life. I used to think it was, get out and get what you can while your money's at home at sleeping. Oh. Which I was like, that's a very interesting, is he saying invest and like go <laughs> that's out? That's it. And... Buy low, sell high. Investment advice from <laughs> This song is, as it turns out, not about um, household economics. But no, I, I do think that there's something... I think that there's something a, a bit non-human in the territory this song goes into. It's like the person singing the song isn't a person. It's more of a thought. Yeah, that's that's the abstract that I was going for. Yeah. I agree with that. I think that it's it's got that sense. Although if if it were actually about investment banking and we could see Ian Anderson in a suit and tie just working as a banker singing the song never even acknowledging the camera just kind of singing the song to himself as he's going about his daily work uh -huh. and no one around him like even acknowledges the fact that he's doing it right i would watch the hell out of that music video it sounds like we need to do a remake of this music video absolutely <laughs> or if he were dressed up as dracula but doing all the banking stuff <laughs> that'd be pretty good too I may still have my Dracula costume from high school. Perfect. I'm sure you still fit in it. Thank you. <laughs> so now I think the inevitable has come. We have to talk about the music video, Nick. Yeah, so we, we did not know at all that there was a music video for this. Honestly, I didn't know there were any music videos for any Jethro Tull. Yeah, we may have just opened up a wormhole. That or, like, there very well may be no other music videos. They learned their lesson after this one. <laughs> exactly. 
So can I just go ahead and describe what this music video is? Yes, if we have enough time to, <laughs> to get into the nuance of this beautiful piece. But go on. <laughs> so this music video was released in 1981 on a VHS of uh, their tour Slipstream, which was made when the album A was coming out. And actually there's a reference to A, the album, in the video. So I do recommend that you go on YouTube and search for the Sweet Dream Jethro Tull music video. But essentially what it is, is Ian Anderson playing two different characters, one of whom is a very disturbing vampire. A truly, truly, truly disturbing so disturbing vampire. Define disturbing. You need to define disturbing here. The thing that's disturbing about it is that Ian Anderson really should not be dressed as a vampire. It's not a good <laughs> it's not a good look for him. It's not sexy. But his eyes are so intense, you can tell that he really is living for being a vampire in this moment. And he's just like he's just like making such slimy, oily love to the camera. Oh yeah in his vampire makeup and teeth, that it's just, you can't look away. It's really transfixing. He also plays a hunchback slash beggar slash maybe it's kind of Aqualung, the character. Yeah. And then he proceeds to terrorize himself. The vampire terrorizes the, the hunchback Aqualung character through an old theater. And this is all intercut with clips from old black and white horror movies that's the basic gist of it not even the good the good classic horror movies no no totally unrecognizable horror movies that, yeah, that okay. you couldn't you know you're like like the the night of the of the sonambulist sonambulist night night somnambulist somnambulist night of the somnambulist from the latin omen thank you somnambulo Somnium. Somnium means dream in Latin. Somnus. Som somnium. Somnibus. <laughs> For all dreams. For all dreams. And of course, ambulo, which means to walk. Anyway, we're getting off, we're getting off to topic here in this little Latin corridor that we have. The Latin corridor of Talk Tell to Me. Very language-heavy episode, and I'm tickled by it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pickled tink. You just got spoonerized. Oh, God. So, <laughs> also, there are some ancil ancillary characters. Some, there are some side characters. So, there are some anticipatory uh, ancillorium. In the ancillorium of this song, there are some pituitary characters. <laughs> among whom are a ballerina, which is a really interesting image that I think goes through a lot of the Jethro Tull songs. There's like, you know, like a, a young, lithe, pure-looking, innocent ballerina. What's her real intention? Who knows? Is she a vampire as well? Maybe. There's a nun, obviously. There's like some ticket girls who might be evil twins. It's hard to tell. And not to spoil the video, but the big conclusion of it is that using the symbol of their album, A, the hunchback forces vampire Ian Anderson into a coffin where he proceeds to age rapidly and turn into dust much like he's doing right now in real life. I'm so sorry. That was, that was cruel. Don't use that, Nick, please. I won't. I know that you will.
So to me, it feels like a bit of a disconnect, but I think it speaks to a greater overall feel of how Tull sees their music. Go on. So Sweet Dream, the actual song, yeah, was recorded in 1969. Correct. The song Slipstream was recorded in 71, so two years later. And then right. A is 81, 10 years later. Right. And yet all of these pieces are being used interchangeably. The song is Sweet Dream. The tour is called Slipstream, but it's for the release of the album A. They all sound insanely different from one another. To me, they're so disparate. They're so separate pieces of that Tull history. I think that, you know, like when we saw them, you know, they were, they had just released. JTull.com. Right, but they were playing stuff from all over the place. I think that this tour included stuff from Heavy Horses. I'm looking, I'm looking at what was on the DVD. Sure. And it's stuff from Heavy Horses. It's stuff from Songs from the Wood. Mm-hmm. It's stuff from Aqualung. It's stuff from A. You know, it's like, it's just things that they wanted to play. And it, it's some of their singles, including Sweet Dream. I certainly expect them to play the full gamut. But you always, maybe it's more present day bands you expect them to be when they tour they're touring for a reason it's and it's to plug the current album so therefore they would play more of that and they would focus more on that i'm sure that they played stuff off of a sure who knows why they wanted to call it slipstream true who knows and i don't even say this facetiously we probably will never know (laughs) why they called the tour slipstream facetious from the latin Facish, which means to giggle. As in a facetiator or a feather on the end of a stick, often found in Roman amphitheaters. For the longest time, nobody knew what they were for. <laughs> and then someone fell on it on one and giggled, and it just it, it just opened up. All the linguists just, you know. They went crazy for it. It was a party. Nick, what else do we want to talk about regarding this song? I would love to know. Yeah. If this song were a bedtime story, what type of bedtime story would it be? It doesn't have to be like the specific one. No, I know what you mean, though. Um, I, so... This would be the bedtime story that your parents tell you when they want to scare you, like a warning. You know what I mean? Like, this is the story of, what was the one that we grew up with in those in those um, scary stories to read in the dark? Scary stories to tell in the dark. I cannot wait to give those to Rook. Oh my god. They're terrifying. They still terrify me. There was one about like a little boy who was naughty and so his mother was replaced with a wooden crocodile doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense at all but like fully fully frightening i feel like that this is that kind of song but sexy so it's a it's a scary it's a sexy scary sexy scary parable it's a (laughs) sex scarable (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's it. Nailed it. That sounds like the name of a really bad lunch cracker. I was going to say a really inappropriate Pokemon. The Six Carol. Yeah. Well, what does it upgrade into? Is its voice really gruff or is it one of the kind of inappropriate sexy ones? So is it Six Carol? Or is it Six Carol? I don't think it's. No, it's not I don't those. know enough about Pokemon to uh, to make a judgment on on that. I think you probably could get away with judging that one. <laughs> and its its evolution would obviously be at s s s t diddle. <laughs> what? Nope, I got nothing. I'm lost. I was I was going for STD something, but no. Hmm. Yeah, I apologize for that. Yeah, that's that is that's really we talked significantly longer than I ever expected to talk about Sweet Dream. Yeah. Do you have any any final thoughts on it? Anything you want to address on this bad boy? No. Well, there it is. I mean, I do think that like a thesis could be written on the music video. It's really, it's really so strange. It's, it's so extraordinarily bizarre. It is. It, it really, really is. And I mean, how much do we just attribute that to the the 1980s to the creative minds behind Tull deciding to do a music video in 1980? My favorite thing is that the editing of it is so 1980s. It's like, some of the editing techniques are, you can tell that the person editing it was like, whoa, we could have one side of the screen, a mirror image of the other side of the screen. <laughs> we have this new technology. That will be crazy. It kind of feels like a high school video project. It reminds me of the videos that I made in high school. I was a part of one of those. <laughs> Which one? I had to sing Rule Britannia, and we I washed oh. up on shore. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I forget what your part was. Who can remember? I think I was some sort of a, a safari-type person. We we eventually put all, as far as it went, we just put footage of us walking through weeds in sepia to Weezer's Holiday. That was the entire video. <laughs> That's not true. I'm pretty sure... <laughs> That cannot be true. I'm pretty sure that's as far as I got with editing. Really wish that we had that. Still, somewhere. It may be, it may be better than we had. Lost to the animals and terrible ideas. That is it for Sweet Dream. What are we going to listen to next week, Omen? Next week, we're going to flip over this single and listen to 17, the B-side. The B-side, the very last track off of this album. Amazing. I cannot yeah. believe that we are almost through two entire albums of Jethro Tull. Nick? It feels like we should be through three or four by now. It's to be like honest. a sweet dream come true. It is so good. Makes me feel like I'm 17 again. You know what else, what else would be a sweet dream, though? If people went 
online and reviewed our podcast, Nick? That would be the sweetest of dreams. That would be a dream for a thousand mothers. That would be my reason for waiting. I, I hope I know that nothing is easy. <laughs> but I would go to Leicester Square. It would be a new day yesterday if you were to review our podcast. This really is a, a labor of love. It is a passion play. Labor of love isn't a it, I wasn't, I, not literally everything I say is a tell song, Nick. I mean, you were. I may be too well old to rock and way. roll, but, uh, but I'm not thick as a brick. But I'm not too old to rate, review, and subscribe right. to talk tell to me. Oh, no, we just used that. We'll have to reuse that. No, no, that one really will, good. no one will remember. <laughs> They've already fallen asleep, Nick. Did you know, I, I actually looked this up. 98% of people use our podcast as a as a sleep aid. <laughs> Just because you do doesn't make that that's not fair that that you are 98%. That and a nip of gin and I'm out. I mean, I've never heard the end of our episodes. I do have to say, the other day Ray came home from yeah. errands or something. I was I was watching the boy, she came home from errands and said Talk Tall to Me has become her favorite podcast to listen to. That is extremely generous of her to say. Let me put it out there. A, she listens to like two or three podcasts okay. tops. So there, we're, we, there's and not it's not a competition between those four podcasts. But we are winning. She genuinely does not like Jethro yeah. Tall. I mean, fair. But we are funny enough for her to bypass her distaste for Tall. And she came downstairs this morning and said, Nick, I think I want to listen to Reasons for Waiting. And I I wept. Nick, did you openly. realize, did you know, I looked this up actually, that 87% of our listeners are the partners of Tall fans who are using this podcast to try to get their their non-Tall listening spouses to, to listen to Jethro Tall. Did you know that? Only 87%? I thought it'd be higher than that. The other percentage are people who um, who accidentally subscribed to this because they were they were looking for talk Jethro Tull. J- uh, wait, because they were looking for talk talk Tolstoy to me. Talk Tolstoy to me. No, I was going to say talk toe to me. Oh yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> oh my gosh, let's wrap this up. That's a lot of rambling. Okay, so come on back next week for the final yep. track off of this album. Super exciting, and we will meet you at the Seven Eleven. I am Nick McGill. And I'm Omen Said. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. By the way, Talk Tall to Me, it is so proud to be a member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Wait, Nick, can I do it like a vampire? I would, I, yes, please. Okay. I thought you'd never ask. Talk tall to me <laughs> is a proud part of the... Do it as Ian Anderson as a vampire. I don't, oh gosh, my acting, I don't know if I can do that. Talk tall to me <laughs> is a proud member of the feckless... I think I can, I think I'd rather do it just like a normal vampire. Okay, just be a regular vampire. Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the 
Feckless Mums Audio Network. <lacht> This smoothie is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>